At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to tune into our current series, Assembly Required, Building a Case for Church, where we'll see what the Psalms teach us about a life of faith lived in community. Well, this morning we get to start a new series. Last, last week we closed out our series, uh, and, and now we're looking at a new series, and we're ta- calling this series Assembly Required. Now, this whole idea of assembly required, it, it's talking about all of the things that we need to have as we gather together as the church. What we're talking about is the importance of gathering together in one facility, in one gathering as the church. You know, we live in a culture today that continually keeps pushing the fact that you really don't need church to be a Christian, that you and Jesus can do your thing together and you can go to the saltwater gospel out there if you listen to some country music or, or you can go find your church in the woods or you can do whatever you want to to worship God, which you can worship God in these areas, uh, but then they follow that up by saying you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. And the reality is, is that by very definition, a Christian needs other people with them. Because we are called to show love for one another. We are called to to be the body of Christ. And that is what we are called to, is to gather together to worship. Now, I do want to say in this time, I know it's a very unique time. And those of you who are still worshiping at home, we want to encourage you to to come into this series, to to dive into the series. We know that some of you have medical conditions and, and some different things like that. But I would encourage you as much as you can, don't allow anything to hinder you from gathering in the house of the Lord. But if you are somebody who is of that vulnerable class, We want to be able uh, to to recognize that as well. But keep diving into the word. Stay connected with our messages. We're going to have a podcast up each and every week at one o'clock. We're also going to be trying to get a video uh, by Wednesday, uh, by Mondays as well. So just want to encourage you. But what we're doing is we're looking at this idea of assembly required, what we need to have in the midst of our worship service. And we're going to be diving into the book of the Psalms. And so uh, we're going to begin this morning by looking at Psalm chapter one, and we're going to be asking the question of what do we delight in? You know, as I think about that whole idea of what do you delight in, I I was thinking about the definition of that in the Webster Dictionary. It is something that brings you exceeding joy. Something that brings you exceeding joy. You know, one of the ways that we can determine what our priorities are is by asking the question of what we delight in. Because what we delight in, what we want to do, is what we're going to do, don't you think? I mean, normally, if left up to us, would you agree that what we delight in is what we're going to do? Now, there are things within our lives that we're required to do and that we don't necessarily want to do, but if we're given free time, we're going to do those things that we delight in before anything else. And what we're going to see today is we're going to look at what the church should delight in and what the church should prioritize within our lives in Psalm chapter 1. So if you have a copy of God's Word, uh, feel free to open up there. If not, like I say every week, pull out your cell phones, your iPads, whatever else you have with you. If you have a scroll, uh, feel free to pull that out as well. We want you to be able to read anyway. We just want the Scripture in front of you because we dive into the Word of God here at Woodside Bible Church and we want to seek His face in His Word and every single week you come to Woodside, you will hear, please open your Bibles. That is a dedication that we will have each and every week here at Woodside. And uh, so as we look at Psalm chapter one, what we're going to see is our number one priority and our number one delight in the gathering of the church is that we gather together to delight in God's word. 
we gather together to delight in God's word. Now, I was thinking about that, and sometimes it's really easy to delight in God's word when it tells us things like we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. When it tells us that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. When it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith develops steadfastness. When we're encouraged, we are like, yes, I can delight in that. But sometimes, sometimes the word gets down there, doesn't it? Sometimes the word pricks our heart. Sometimes the word gets to our conscience and it challenges us. And I would pray that we would delight in that as well. And so as we look at Psalm chapter 1, we're going to see the type of person who is blessed in the eyes of God. Let's look at Psalm chapter 1. Let's go ahead and read that text beginning in verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not snow, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You know, Psalm chapter 1 is, is the first psalm in all of the, the, the book of Psalms. It is actually setting the tone for all of the other psalms. And the psalms are, are a prayer book, and they're, they're songs that were sang to God by the people of Israel as they gathered together, many of them as they journeyed to the Holy Land. This is what psalms was. And while we can apply this as individuals, we also need to apply this as congregations and as the gathering of the people of God. And so what we're seeing here is we're going to see uh, three different things that happen when we delight ourselves in the Word of God. Three different things that happen when we delight ourselves in the word of God. First, we're going to see that the word brings blessing. The text started out by saying, blessed is the man. Now, this word blessed actually can be translated as happy, joyous is the man. Actually, it also in this text, when you see blessed, it's talking kind of about this congratulations almost that God is offering. It's almost like a biblical high five that's going on here. Blessed is the man. What that means is God's face and his favor shines upon those people that are going to do the things or not do the things that God is about to list. Now, how many of you by show of hands want God's blessing on your life? Yeah. Every single one of us want the blessing of God on our life, don't we? Every single one of us want God's favor on our lives. Every single one of us wants, this, uh, wants to be in right relationship and, and, and this beautiful communion with God. So let's listen. Because first we're going to see what we do not do. And then we're going to see what we do go ahead and do. So it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. So what we're going to see here is a progression of sin that we're going to see. And what we're seeing the psalmist say is he's saying, this is how you do not behave if you want to be blessed. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Now the wicked is somebody who, who, who by their actions would be, uh, they would be convicted of being a wicked person. They are contrary to the word of God and contrary to the ways of God. Now let's stop at this point and let's take warning. 
whether you're a kid, whether you're an elementary school student, whether you're in junior high, whether you're in high school, whether you're in college, whether you're a single young adult, whether you are married, whether you're a seasoned saint, any of these ways, we have to be aware of the people we listen to. We have to be aware of the people we listen to in our lives. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Now, this idea of counsel, it's their advice. It's their wisdom. What you're going to see here is you're going to see a person who is listening to the counsel of a wicked person. I'm going to tell you, if you're, if you're leaving high school and you're going to college, especially if you're going to a secular university, you're going to be challenged in the existence of God. Uh, you're going to have professors who may tell you that being a Christian is silly, and then they'll try and discredit God. What I want to encourage you to do is seek out the evidences of God. Seek out the truths of Scripture. Seek out why Christianity is different than other beliefs. Dive in and seek that out and prepare yourself for those challenges because I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is the one and only God and it is only through him that salvation comes. And even if somebody comes against it, you must be solidified in what you're doing. If you're somebody who's in high school, there's going to be a vast array of people that are going to try and give you counsel within your life. And you're going to want to listen to certain people because if you listen to their counsel and you do what they say to do, then you're going to be popular. I remember when I was in high school, popularity was the biggest thing in the world to me. I couldn't look past those four years of high school. But as I look back now as a 34-year-old man, I'm getting so old, uh, as, as I look back now, you know, uh, high school was like 20 years ago, uh, and that was a joke, by the way. I don't, I don't believe the 34 years old is old. Don't feel that at all. I think you're just beginning at that point. Uh, but, but as I look back on that time, I go, wow, that was only four years of my life, and there is a, a lot to come from that. But the counsel that you listen to in those years is going to shape you for the rest of your life. You have to remember that we do not give ear to the counsel of the wicked. Now, you have to understand this. A wicked person isn't always going to be the person who has the sneer on their face. A wicked person could be a very nice and kind person. But this wickedness that's defined is anyone who goes against the character and counsel of God. As we look at this, we have to understand that anyone who gets the character and counsel of the word of God, that person does not have your best interest as a Christian at heart if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. They have their own interest. You're going to go into a society that has philosophies that you are your own God, so make those own decisions on your own in order to make yourself the most famous, the most popular, the richest that you can possibly be. That is what life is about. And I'm here to tell you that life is about preparing yourself for eternity. And the best way we prepare ourselves for eternity is by glorifying God in every area of our lives. So be careful the counsel you listen to. Because what we're seeing here is he says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. So not only are they hearing it, but they're walking in it. This idea of walking means going towards a path. And so we see this progression happens. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners. So now this is a person who is listening to wickedness. They are walking in that counsel. Now they're standing and they're hanging out with people that are called sinners. Now this whole idea within this is not somebody who at one point in their life had been convicted of, of being wicked or their life uh, by one incident showed that they had wickedness within them. This is a person who by their very lifestyle, they're defined by sin. You think about that person and you think, yeah, that's the person and their life is all about partying. 
Their life is all about making money. Their life is all about whatever else. Like it's the very definition of who they are. So you're listening to this counsel, then you start walking in the way, then you stand and you hang out with these people. This progression happens. You start to see this. And as you start to hang out with these people, the more you hear their counsel and the more you act in their ways, you're going to see that you're going to slide even further. And we come to the furthest point of this nor sits in the seat of the scoffer. So what we see here is, is a progression. Now, a scoffer is somebody who, who is not somebody who's just convicted of wickedness, uh, and it's not somebody whose life is defined by it, but their life would be defined by it, but they've gone so far as to hate the ways of God so much that they will make fun of anyone who follows the ways of God. They've gone so far, they hate the ways of God so much that they'll make fun of anybody who follows the word and ways of God. You may experience this in your high schools or your colleges or even your middle schools. You may get made fun of for being a Christian. You may get scoffed at or mocked. But what we're seeing is this is the person who is listening to the counsel. They're walking in the ways. They're standing and hanging out with sinners. And because of that, their philosophies of life have now changed. The way they think, the way they view the world, the way that they look at things in life have now changed so much that they hate the ways of God so much that they make fun of those people. We see this all the time of kids who grew up in church. I just want to stop for just a minute, kids, and say, listen, this is the most important thing in your life is the word of God. Being with God in, in the council of his people, being in the church is the most important thing in your life. Your parents bring you here because it's so vitally important for you. Because they know that if you live in the ways of the world, it's going to lead to destruction, dissatisfaction. It's going to lead to emptiness. Yes, the way of the sinner may seem fun for a while because sin in itself is, is something that our flesh wants and desires, but it will only lead to destruction. It will only lead to emptiness. It will only lead to unhappiness. It will lead to hell ultimately. So we have to remember that as we sit in the church to not just... Uh, not just play around, but to listen to his word, because I believe you are very, very smart. And you can hear these concepts, and the Holy Spirit can get a hold of your heart at any point in your life. And if you feel God tugging on your heart, surrender your life to Jesus. Give your life to him. Dedicate it to him, and live your life fully devoted to him. Because as, as you walk in the way of the sinner and you stand with them, you listen to their counsel. Well, we see these kids who grew up in church, when they get in college, they're challenged by a professor. And then they never were given answers as they were growing up to give answers to very simple questions that they're challenged with. And so they start to question their faith. And then they start to hang out with that professor and be mentored by that professor. And then what ends up happening is that they start thinking like that individual. Now, I want to acknowledge we have incredible godly teachers who are in our schools and who are professors. And I would say, listen to them if they're following Jesus Christ, definitely. But there will be those that are contrary to God. And so what we see is kids who grew up in church turn their backs on the Christian faith and they scoff and hate God because they felt like they were fooled their entire lives. But here's the truth of the reality. They had never truly surrendered their lives to Jesus. They had never given their heart over to Christ. They were never made a new creation so I'm telling you, be aware. Blessed is the man. 
Blessed is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffer. Listen, I just want to stop right now because there's a, there's a parallel to this in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's a, it's a passage in the Old Testament called the Shema. Shema means to hear. And it starts out by saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then it continues with instructions to parents. And what it says is that you're supposed to teach your kids when you are walking along the way, when you're standing in the streets, when you're laying down, and when you're rising up. Look for every opportunity to teach your kids, no matter what age, about God. Look for every opportunity in your lives to solidify your kids in the word of God. Because that is how you are blessed. By not walking in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standing in the way of sinners, nor sitting in the seat of the scoffers. All right, so I know what I'm not supposed to do. So what I'm going to do then is in college, I'm just going to sit at home by myself and do nothing. Is that what we do? No, because when we pull something out of our lives, like all of the things that this world tells us to go after, there's a gaping, huge hole that is there. We have to fill it with something else. Well, verse 2 tells us what to fill it with. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. I had a friend that once said to me, Brother, if you can find a time different than day or night to not meditate in the word of God, then go ahead and do that. What this is talking about is the totality of time. It is talking about every hour of our lives. We should have the word in our hearts. We should have the word on our minds. We should have the scriptures memorized. And we should be thinking about these things. I would challenge you. Memorize this passage. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way that sinners take, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. Uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers of all time, uh, said that the reason why they meditate day and night and the reason why they have a delight isn't because of the law itself. Because we see within the scriptures in, chap in Romans uh, that the law actually shows us our sin. But what Charles Spurgeon is talking about, which I highly recommend listening to him, listen to his sermons. He's known as the Prince of Preachers, phenomenal man of God. But what he's talking about is if you just understand what is within the word of God for your life, you will find absolute joy within it. When you realize this fact that I am a sinner who misses the mark of God's holy standard, that every person who has ever been born, he will go after the ways of their own flesh. They will go after the desires of the world. Romans 3 says, we will not understand. We will not seek God. 1 Corinthians says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says that the natural person can't even understand the things of the Spirit of God. Ephesians 2 says that without God, we're walking according to the ways of the world, walking according to the prince of the power of the air, and we are under the judgment of of God. That's the bad news. But like I've said so many times before, the word gospel means good news. The good news is that you don't have to be left there. You are not stuck there. 
Because we serve a gracious and loving God who sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross that we could turn away from this way of life, realize our sins, and repent, turn away from it, and live for God and surrender our lives to him. And then when you realize that Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, For by grace... God's unmerited favor, something you never earned. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, the grace and the faith, is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Brothers and sisters, when you grasp that, it should cause you to weep. To realize that I did nothing at all to save myself. Not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Wow. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, the very fact that you're sitting here under the word of God today shows that God deeply loves you and wants you to know him. Listen to his words. There is a way that leads to life, and it is only through Jesus Christ. Jesus himself says that broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many find it. The majority of people are not going to be Christians. The the, the road is broad and easy, but it leads to destruction. But the road that leads to life is narrow. What he means is it is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus said that I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It is only through Jesus Christ that we can be saved. It is only through Jesus Christ we can be blessed. It is only through Jesus Christ that we can, uh, that we can honor and glorify God. So let's have our delight be in the word of God. Uh, there is a, an author um, uh, who wrote a book about uh, the idea of you are what you love. His name is James K.A. Smith. And this whole book, the idea behind this book is talking about our desires and our delights is what we become. There's another author who wrote a book uh, that's called You Are What You Think. See, what we delight in and what we think on is what we're going to become. That's why Romans says, listen, doesn't this make sense now? Come on. That's why this makes sense. This is why God in his word in Romans says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing, continually, continual action all the time, renewing of your mind. May we never neglect our minds. May we never neglect renewing our minds in his word every single day. If we come to the realization that if we delight in his word and we seek his face, that blessedness is found in that, may that cause us to to value this more than any other book in the world, more than any other possession in the world, to value this as, as the thing which we want more than anything in the world, to hear is the word of God. Do we value the word that way? Now, I'm going to be real and vulnerable with you for just a minute. You know, I asked myself a question as I was studying this text, and I want to ask you the same question. Is studying the word for you, is it duty and drudgery, or is it delight? Well, let's turn that question back on me. So I asked myself that question. 
Is studying the word for you duty and drudgery or is it delight? I've got to be real with you guys. When I get out of a pattern of studying the word and I get out of a pattern of diving into the text and soaking and saturating in it, studying the word is duty and drudgery when you're first starting off, right? It's like if you're training for a marathon, which I have never done, but if you're training for a marathon, those first couple of miles, those of you who are runners can identify with that, that it is hard. Or, or, or if you're weightlifting, when you first start getting in the gym, you do like five sets and you are so sore the next day, you're like, I can't move. You walk down the stairs backwards. But as you progressively continue to train your body, you progressively get stronger and you progressively start to see the benefits of it and it makes you want to dive deeper and you become obsessed with running. You become obsessed with working out and you give your life to it. Now here's a challenge, right? It says in his law, he meditates day and night. So here's a simple thing, write this down. Here's the simple thing that I want to challenge myself to do. I want to challenge my wife to do. I want to challenge our homes. Let's do this. Let's read the word first thing when we get up in the morning. Read the word first thing when you get up in the morning. And read the word last thing before you go to bed at nighttime. Try it for a month. See what happens in your life. See if your delight for the word doesn't grow. See if your delight for the word doesn't multiply. The word brings life. And if we delight in it, then it's this beautiful journey that we get to go on. Being a Christian in this life is very difficult, would you agree? That the world's stacked up against Christians. But we have to be so firmly rooted in the word of God. I don't know if you guys ever, uh, if you grew up in church, you probably have heard this song before. It goes, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. You guys ever heard that before? Well, kids, we're going into a world right now. That, that, that scripture, I mean, that, that, that song is so true. Yes, we should stand alone on the counsel and instructions of the word of God. But you may be someone who is standing alone on the word of God, by yourself. That's why you always need to find a church, a godly church that preaches the word because we gather together each and every week to submit ourselves to the authority of the word. That's why we do this. That's why we gather to delight in his word. We gather to submit ourselves to the authority of the word. This is an image that has helped me. My life, I do not guide. This is what my life looks like. I am under the authority of scripture and God's word, these are God's word, tells me how to live my life. It doesn't matter what your opinion is. It doesn't matter how emotionally you feel about something. If it's against the word of God, you don't got to pray about it. You just need to do it. I've talked to so many people, they're like, I'm praying if God wants me uh, to, to be with my boyfriend or girlfriend in an intimate way before I get married. Well, don't pray about it. It says not to do it in the scriptures. I'm praying about if, if God wants me to really dedicate myself to the word. Well, stop praying about it. Your answer is here. Yes. Sometimes we get so over-spiritualized in things that we don't allow the text to just speak to us and tell us, oh, there's my answer. But I think the issue is that sometimes we don't like the answer. I don't like the answer sometimes. 
I don't like the answer that, well, somebody from a pulpit might say that God's blessing and favor upon you and that you prospering means that you get all of the cars and all of the wealth and all of the best things. When the word of God says that the Christian's life is going to be hard. And if you follow the ways of Christ, you are going to face persecution. And the word of God says that you grow through trials. And the word of God says that those who really are following for Jesus, if you're facing trials, you should know you're probably doing something right. That's not fun. But it doesn't matter how I feel about it. It doesn't matter what my opinion is. It matters what his word says. So it brings blessedness. The text continues, Psalm 1, 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. That whole idea of prospering. It gives this illustration of a tree that's planted by this stream of water. It's continually nourished. It's continually given life. If you think about Israel, uh, what was going on is that, uh, not what was going on. If you think about Israel, it's a very hot place at times. And anybody who ever tried to grow a lawn or tried to raise flowers, you know that heat kills your plants. So what do you need to do to them? You need to water them. Well, if you have a tree that is stuck by the source of water, no matter what comes in, that tree never dies. Now, that's a powerful illustration because Jesus himself is called the river of life. And this text said that the person who delights themselves in the law of the Lord, they plant themselves in the word, they live for that word, they're going to be continually nourished, they're going to be continually given life, and it says that they will produce fruit. Now, if you're claiming Jesus as your Lord and Savior and your life looks just like the rest of the world, you have no conviction of sin, you have no desire for his word, you 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 don't want to go to church, it's drudgery to you, you just do it because you have to, you better ask the question if you've truly surrendered your life to Jesus. Because there's fruit in the life of a follower of Christ. Jesus says that we will know them by their fruit. Those who are planted by streams of water, who are seeking out the word, it brings fruitfulness in their lives. The word brings fruitfulness. And finally, the third point, the word brings salvation. Look at verse four. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. We see the lot of the righteous person and then we see the lot of the wicked person. It says the wicked are not blessed. They are not like that tree. Instead, they continue this agricultural analogy and it says they're like chaff that the wind drives away. What they used to do with grain is they take their grain back in that time. They go up on a tall hill and they take a, a winnowing fork, pitchfork, whatever, and throw it up into the air. And what would happen is the chaff, well, the, 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 the uh, covering around the wheat would actually blow off into the wind and the wheat would fall to the ground. The reason the chaff would blow away is because it had no substance at all, but the wheat had, the, the wheat had weight and substance and so it fell to the ground. It says the wicked are like chaff. On judgment day, it's going to be like... There's the wicked, like dust in the wind, like dust in the wind. It says they will not stand in the judgment. It's going to be like a blowtorch into butter. It's just going to disintegrate. Or paper in a bonfire, you throw that in, 
It will not stand the judgment. Well, iron will withstand that fire. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Those who are living according to these ways are not going to stand with the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. But look at this powerful verse, verse 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Now listen to the reason why this person is blessed. Listen to the reason why this person delights in the law of the Lord. Listen to the reason why this person can stand in the judgment, because the Lord knows the way of the righteous. The determining factor of salvation is if God knows you. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7 to these people who come to him and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in your name and that in your name and cast out demons in your name? He says to him, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness, for I never knew you. So if you're somebody here today who would answer yes to any of those questions to me, that you don't delight in the word of God, that you, uh, that you don't care about church, that you go because your parents force you, or you go because you think it's a good thing to do traditionally, or you, uh, you don't have any conviction of your sin, and you look just like the rest of the world in your private life, ask yourself if you've given your life to Jesus. Or if you're somebody who's never heard this message before, and God brought you here today, today is the day of your salvation. Don't be like the wicked who are like chaff blown away by the wind, but be like the blessed righteous person. So we have to examine ourselves. And as I, I just want to invite the team forward as we prepare to close. And we have to ask ourselves, what are we delighting in in our lives? As they come forward, just think about that for just a minute. Just close your eyes and concentrate. What am I delighting in in my life? What is my life about? What would I give anything up for in this life? What do I allow to control my thoughts? What do I allow to control my desires? Is it what I read on Facebook? Is it what I see in Netflix? Is it what I watch on the 24-hour news cycle? Or is it the word of God? And how much do I value the word of God? I want to pose to you a question that a very godly man who is a pastor in New York, his name is Tim Keller. He posed this question regarding prayer in his book on prayer, but it, 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 it applies to the word. He says, imagine if you were diagnosed with such a lethal condition that the doctor told you you would die within hours unless you took a particular medicine. A pill every night before going to sleep. Imagine that you were told you could never miss it or you would die. Would you forget? What if we realized that the only way to find true life, true freedom, true salvation, true joy is through this word? What if we realized that the only way to true happiness in this life, true joy, True peace, true relationship with God is through his word. What if we saw this as the pill that kept us alive? What if we saw this as the thing that we need more than anything in this life? 
And what if we said, I don't care what the culture looks like. I don't care what the culture says. I don't care how it tells me to live. I live my life on the word of God and I will stand and I will stand alone if I have to, but I live my life for it and I will build my life upon it. Let's just stand together as we sing those very true words. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today.